Good morning. Today I will be reading from Exodus chapter 5, verses 4 through 19. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Then the slave drivers and the overseers went out and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says, I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, complete the work required of you for each day, just as when you had straw. And Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israelite overseers they had appointed, demanding, why haven't you met your quota of bricks yesterday or today, as before? Then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh. Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we are told, make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. Pharaoh said, lazy, that's what you are, lazy. That is why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. The Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told, You are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. In our gospel lesson this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Jesus said this, No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith, Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We join me in prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, 
in these words read and proclaimed this morning, offer rest and peace to our souls as we seek to follow you as disciples who live with purpose. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. So in this five-week sermon series, we're going to explore some of the things that we can do on purpose, how to live with intention in our lives as disciples. And today, I want you to consider the concept of resting on purpose. So here's a question for you. When's the last time you woke up in the morning and felt rested? Do you remember that day? Hopefully it was recently. Do you remember the last time you felt at peace with yourself, with the world around you? Hopefully that wasn't too long ago either, right? Have you ever wondered how long a person could go with no rest? I look up these kind of quirky things when I'm getting ready for sermons, and it turns out there is a Guinness World Record for going without sleep. It belongs to Randy Gardner. He went for 11 days and 25 minutes without sleeping. He was a high school student in San Diego, California, where his father was posted on a military base, and he and two friends decided to see how long he could stay up for their science fair. They also had a Stanford researcher that joined them on the project, and he set the world record at 11 days. Now, Randy Gardner is about 50 years older, and he has acute insomnia that has lasted for the last decade. Doctors aren't sure if it's related or not, but Randy thinks that his stunt as a teenager has cost him dearly. Here are some of the things that start to happen to your body when you go without sleep. Your brain, obviously, doesn't function at its peak anymore. You lose the ability to learn new things and to remember new things. You'll have more difficulty coping with change and regulating emotions. Think about a toddler who missed their nap, right? You have an increased risk of heart disease and diabetes. If you're a child or a teenager, you won't have any growth hormones released into your body unless you sleep, so if you don't sleep, you won't grow. And your immune system will be lowered and your stress hormones will be raised. But you know all that already, don't you? Because when you get a bad night's sleep, you just kind of feel off the next day. Rest is important, isn't it? In fact, for peak athletic performance, like Zion Williamson, now of the New Orleans Pelicans as of this week, Athletes realize that things like speed and accuracy and reaction time is all related to rest. After they train, if they want their muscles to recover, they need sleep for that to happen. Well, God already taught us that, right? That we need to live life with a Sabbath pace. That it was built in from the beginning of creation that we needed time to be reset. And if our physical bodies need this rest, then surely our minds and our souls do as well. 
Now we can go to our next slide, Jay. I saw it pop up there. Author Kirk Byron Jones says that three things can happen when we practice Sabbath well. We can think deeply, we can listen carefully, and we can see clearly. If we do not have enough rest in our lives, we can't do any of these three well. Well, look at our story from the Old Testament this morning. Pharaoh was an anxious guy, wasn't he? Even in the years of plenty, in the story of Joseph, when they have record harvests, Pharaoh is having nightmares about the years that will be coming when there will not be enough. Pharaoh's always worried about there being more. He tells the Israelites that they're to go out and make bricks every day. There's no break from that. And when they make their quota, Pharaoh raises it. And when they make their quota, when he gives them straw, he takes the straw away and forces them to find their own. Make more bricks to build more buildings so Pharaoh can store all of his stuff. A system that perpetually expects more and more and more. But Pharaoh doesn't give the Israelites the inputs they need to make these bricks. The game is rigged. When they couldn't complete the task, he sends his overseers and slave drivers to beat them up. They send two representatives, Moses and Aaron, and they ask Pharaoh for just a day off. One day to go out into the wilderness and worship God. And what does Pharaoh call them? Did you notice that as Matty read? It happened several times. He calls them lazy. Ooh, that's a bad insult, isn't it? Now, I'm guessing you've never been a slave in Egypt, but did you ever have a job that was kind of like this one? Yeah? I remember distinctly my factory job back in college during the summertime. There was a line of product that would roll by me. No matter where I was placed on that line, my job was to make sure that product kept moving from here to the next station down the line. The cardinal sin of working in that factory was to let the line stop. Not ever, not for any reason. If something jammed or backed up, we had all these lines on the floor, we'd start pulling cardboard boxes off by hand and stacking them in a particular order that was taught to us so that we could stack them here and stack them here and stack them there so that we did not stop the line. But one day, the line jammed up pretty badly right where I was standing. So I went over to the big red button on the wall. The big red button was for stopping the line. And I pushed the big red button. And lights went off and sirens went off. It looked like I had won something. You know what I had won? Uh, chewing out by the pharaoh, my supervisor. It's a 24-7 kind of world. The factory that I worked in didn't stop. When my replacement came in for their shift, they simply stepped into my spot on the line, and that line was never supposed to stop. When did we get to this 24-7 world? 
I think it all started with Thomas Edison, right? He invented those light bulbs. And all of a sudden, factory owners said, hey, you know what? We don't have to close down when the sun goes down. We can hire people to work overnight, too. Well, this trend sort of caught on. There was a little company called the Southland Ice Company in Dallas, Texas. They decided that there were so many workers around that they would keep the ice company open for some extra hours. They decided on 16 hours a day. Do you know when they opened and when they closed? 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. It was a good business model. They soon expanded those 7-11 stores around the country, right? And then one day, in the early 1970s, the manager told the night guy, don't close down this 7-Eleven store until all the customers are finished shopping. And that particular night, that particular employee was so busy with customers who kept flowing into the store, that when the manager came back to open up at 7 a.m., he found that the store had never closed down. And now you see where we're going, right? 7-Eleven said, whoa, not just 16 hours a day, but we could be open 24-7. And you know, that caught on, right? And it's not really the convenience store's fault because there are some nurses and firefighters and police officers and factory workers and coal miners who were out there saying, well, we were doing that already, right? But somehow in our culture, we sort of absorbed this ethos. This pressure to produce continually. And in our ultra-connected world, I'm afraid this pace is only going to increase. Think about whatever your job is. If you're growing crops, you want to produce a bigger yield. If you're teaching students, you want them to get higher scores. If you're seeing patients, you're supposed to do that faster so you can see more of them. If you're playing a sport, well then the goal is to win more games. Running a business, get higher sales. Whatever it is, there's pressure to produce more and more and more. Even as time was ticking by this morning and I was getting ready for church, I realized that all the slides I had created didn't save to the drive. I had that pressure of time thinking, you all were about to arrive. Wasn't ready to produce yet. Think about the things that are changing in the world around us. Amazon has two day prime shipping, but have you heard the big announcement? They're going to one day free shipping. And since we have three of those warehouses in the Harrisburg area, we're probably likely to be early in the rollout for this. Amazon's going to spend $800 million each quarter to make this change. Verizon Fios is now offering me at my house a one gigabyte connection. Can you even fathom that? I don't know why you would need one gigabyte. If you invited 200 of your closest friends to your house and you all had different devices and wanted to stream in high definition from Netflix, one gigabyte would be just enough to get it done. Well, maybe you're saying, Pastor, I have an 
ultra high def 4K TV now. Well, you can still have 40 of your closest friends come over and watch 40 different streams. The Trappist monk Thomas Merton said, our addiction to speed is one of modern society's most pervasive forms of violence. And he said that in 1972. Things have speeded up a little bit since then, haven't they? But we value speed, right? When things can get done quickly, that's good. I was talking to a friend this week, and uh, he made the point that we all live our lives by different scripts. And the point he was making was that there's a scripture that we can also follow. And sometimes the scriptures and the script we're already living from, they're at odds with one another. And I was thinking about those scripts in our lives, whether they're written or unwritten, we live them out sometimes. And one of our scripts in the modern American world is that faster is better. And if you don't believe me that you're living out of this script, then we're going to play a little game. We usually do this for children's time, but I thought you'd have fun with it today, right? So you have to find the answer, and I have some chocolate here. Oh, those are halls, too. Now, let's see if I've got chocolate. All right, we'll go with the candy bag. Better shot. All right, so first one to get the answer. Some candy's coming your way. Are you ready? I'll let you click, Jay. That'll be easier. I can throw the candy. I don't want to take up too much. Oh, that was good. Next. If you're early, you're on time. If... Oh, that must be one we say at our house. I heard it from over there. You can sleep when? Oh, yeah. Where was that? All right. As soon as? Oh, that was good. I heard you. Go ahead. I'm going? Fast as I can. All right. Yeah, must have been in the back there. Oh, geez. Had a little curve. Watch out there. The sooner the... Oh, I see you, Pat. I don't have much time. Okay, that was enthusiastic. Get a job. Get a life. We're thinking about speed. Oh, there it is. All right, I think we have a few left, right? It'll only take a minute. Mike was quiet, but I saw him. How soon can I go to bed? Yeah, yep, I think that's close enough. How soon can I expect it? Well, I've got to... Gotta run. Yeah, not just go, gotta go with speed, right? You guys know that script pretty well, don't you? I want you to notice this week how many times somebody uses one of those little cliches off the list there or another one I didn't find for moving quickly. Speed is the priority in our culture. Right? In the 24-7 lifestyle, there's no break. 
There's always something else to be done. And so we ask each other, how are you? And the standard answer is, I'm busy. Right? Everyone's busy. But what if we value these things? If we want to think deeply and listen carefully and see clearly. Now, one of you, who's not going to be named because I didn't ask permission, came and stopped in my office this week to tell a story. And you told me that you bumped into a woman that you wouldn't normally have paid much attention to. But this congregation member said, I stopped. Even though in my mind I was thinking I have so many other things to do right now. But I noticed that there was something wrong. That this woman seemed to be in some state of turmoil and distress. So I stopped and sat down with her and we had a conversation. And the woman poured her heart out. And I listened to her problems and I lightened her load. Just, just for that moment that we were together. It's the kind of moment when God's Spirit is leading us. And when we're in a hurry, that's the kind of moment that blows right by us. When we talk about Sabbath in church, we always get back to the same loop at one point or another. People say, oh, do you remember the good old days when, when things were closed down on Sundays, right? Some of us are old enough to remember that, others not. I've said it before from this pulpit, but that era has passed us by, right? In fact, that era passed us by right here in Dauphin County. 1924, when Connie Mack of the Philadelphia Athletics was sued by the United Methodist Men's Sunday School Association. Well, the Phillies won, right? They got the right at that time to play baseball on Sundays between 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. It was another 40 years before they got rid of that evening restriction. So the era of enforced Sabbath, it's already in the rearview mirror, right? So what if we have to think about that differently now? I was reading a piece this week by Lauren Winner, who is a Christian scholar and an author and speaker. But Lauren grew up Jewish, in a Jewish household. And Lauren talks about her days as a child celebrating Sabbath. She describes when time slowed down. She and her family spent a lot of time reading, playing games, going for hikes. They did not shop. They didn't even cook on a Sabbath. They had all kinds of specific rules as a Jewish family about keeping the day holy. But then Lauren goes on in her essay to talk about when she converted to Christianity, which was in her teenage years. Her new friends said, hey, let's go out to lunch after church. And often she was said she would spend her days together with friends at the mall. In this age where Sabbath is no longer enforced from the outside, what would it mean for us to rest on purpose? To make a different set of choices, align a different set of priorities, 
that would bring us peace and rest. Where do you need rest in your life this morning? As you've been sitting here listening to me talk, where do you feel hurried? What causes you stress in your life right now? And what would need to change for you to think deeply, to listen carefully, to see clearly? I don't know what your list looks like, but it's a set of intentional choices, right? Do you need to make time for family? Do you need to take a vacation? Do you just want to sit down and read a book? Maybe you need to turn technology off in your household for 24 hours or a week. Maybe you need to turn down that next opportunity for overtime. Whatever it is, it's clear to me that God had an expectation from the beginning of creation that we were to rest. That God would take the seventh day to set the example to make that first Sabbath was a gift to Adam and Eve. God went on to codify the Sabbath. It's in the Ten Commandments. It's all over the laws of Moses. But gone are the days of an enforced Sabbath, right? We don't follow the Sabbath because it's law. We need Sabbath because it's gift. Jesus talked about rest as an invitation. Do not worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. But seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Thanks be to God for the gift of rest. May we receive this gift on purpose this week. Amen.